Johnny Boy. Hello. That was what? like a boy. boy, 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 boy. That was my own sound effect. I love I'm excited for today's episode, dude. I am Looney Tunes over today's episode. <laughs> like, it's we're doing it a little bit differently today, and yeah. I'm kind of excited to shake it up, if you will. Oh wow! Look at that. Do you like that? Or this is like why that? this is or... why you chose. Um, you know why you came up with this amazing title for our show because you mm-hmm. knew it would le- it would lend itself to a lot of puns, didn't you? Of course I did. Of course I did. Uh, well, today I actually got John. If you've been following us for a while or you're just turning in, I watch a hell of a lot more television than John. And I finally got him hooked into watching the four part series of Netflix's crime scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which is really the case of Elisa Lamb. John, yeah. have you sat down to watch four hours of straight television? I, it's been a while for you, right? It's been a minute since I've watched four episodes of anything other than WandaVision, going to be completely honest. Or Golden honest. Girls. Or Golden right. Girls, Fair that's enough. right. I mean, that's just obvious, so I just always keep that there, you know? But yeah, this right. is exciting. We're doing um, a recap of the case um, as we discuss these interesting details that stood out to us in this four-part series. And... Darren, I'm not exaggerating. I know we just talked about puns and the title of the show, but I was truly shaken and disturbed through so many parts of this series. You were scared. You were very scared. I was very Very scared. scared. Very scared. Very scared. You were. And it was cute watching you be so flipped out about it, like as you were texting me um, with it. But I will say, and you know, (laughs) we're going to get to it and and just go to everything. But I will say just from jump, like... It's eerie. It's just an eerie <sighs> thing. The video's eerie. Even if we can argue at the end of whether or not they solved it or not, it's eerie. And, and I want to so. mention, on top of all of that commentary, is that I watched it in daylight for for a reason. Because when I first started it a couple days um, before we recorded, it was nighttime. And I was only right. like halfway through that first episode, and I was like, uh-uh not doing it tonight because <laughs> you know i live in a haunted house so i don't want things like that to happen well um, i mean I, I i commend you for watching it during the day i with brute strength watched it at night granted i had someone watching it with me but uh yeah it was it was it was interesting well we're gonna get to that let's uh yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. do some housekeeping up top yeah. housekeeping up top guys th- uh we want to say huge thank you we've seen a huge, huge support uh, influx of numbers in our Patreon page. Um, because before we get into today's show, we want to shout out everybody who has signed up. It has been so exciting to see you guys uh, support us this way. It really makes us feel like we're able to do this show independently. And every every subscription, every patron that signs up is um, just going to expand the show, frankly, because we have, you know... So important. Yeah, because we're not just, you know, taking your money and running. We're we're using the money uh, to support the show and to do fun things. And the more of you who sign up, the bigger the show can be, basically. So um, we're doing bonus episodes. Just before we started today, Darren and I were talking about the postcards that we're going to be sending out. Darren, last week we posted yeah. my I, prom pick. Oh, I, I just wait till the end of the episode for those Patreon shout-outs because <laughs> I absolutely loved it. My prom pick is coming shortly. That's but, right. You know, I showed my mom. She was very involved in it, very excited. <laughs> uh, it was it was definitely a picture of all pictures, I will say. I don't think anyone well, was expecting you. it. Oh, wait, yours you're saying or mine? 
No, both, yours for both. sure. I think both actually. Um, and you can even That's sign, true. you can even sign up to get a phone call from us and be on the show, which of course is opt in only. It's totally just up to you if you want to do it. Um, Darren, this week, uh, or rather, I guess you could say last week, by the time this episode comes out, you posted a cute little welcome video and showed everyone your office space and your sweatpants, right? That I did. I got some good responses on it. You guys got to see where I get to work every single day. In fact, I just had to stand up to go turn off the air because it never stops in Shea Carp over here. But uh, you're you're getting a little glimpse into it. And by the way, you know, we still do our Instagram lives and we just did one last week. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely follow us on social media to, to keep involved in those and you can see more little sneak peeks and tidbits. But uh, for the Patreon listeners... You got a little insight into my world, my friends, and you're going to get a hell of a lot more. So if if you haven't signed up yet, you (laughs) definitely want to go to patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed, or you can click our link in our show notes. If not, that's okay. We'll still give you some free content. You're just not going to get to see my sweet sweatpants, bro. Sweet sweatpants, bro. Yeah. That's right. By the way, did you hear me go, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you like tried to be all bro, and then you're like, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, we're also, by the way, one of the things, and Darren, we do need to schedule this, is um, we're going to be doing an exclusive Q&A just for Patreon members. And there aren't a ton of you guys, you know, like we have a lot of people, but like compared to our Instagram lives, which is like thousands and thousands. Um, so that's a really great place if you want to like have one on one time with mom and dad. That's the best way I can put it. Let's um, get creepy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't no. realize we were wrong. No, that's fine. That's, listen, yeah, it's yeah, Patreon. No, no. We can do it over there. So yeah, yeah I guess we can do it everyone on our OnlyFans <laughs> Patreon. Um that's but next. speaking of OnlyFans, what are you drinking before we get into the four-part series? Because I well, started drinking a little bit ago. I can tell. I can tell. Oh, um, oh, oh. I like it, though. I like that you're doing it. Okay. Um, I'm going back. I'm dipping back to my new classic, which is my BSB brown sugar bourbon from Heritage Distilling Company. Um, I still have this bottle. I've been going through it since, when was that? March, April or something? Um, Dear Lord, sweetie. Well, Finish the bottle life. already. thing. And I, I drink, I just have a little, like... Not not a Nip. shot, but a little, you know, a fifth, if that's even what it is. And um, it's nice to sip on during the show, but it's like the bottle is so big, so it's going to last me a bit. What are you drinking? Oh, oh baby. I made a vodka soda in a mm-hmm. nice, perfect drinks glass. Got a good thin rim around it. Nice weight <laughs> to it. Put some ice in it. Splash a lime. I'm having a wow. vodka soda because... Uh, you guys don't know this, but we're recording on a Thursday, and tonight, Thursday, I know this is coming out on a Sunday, is our Instagram Live, and I'll be drinking there as well. So I'm prepping for our Instagram Live during this recording. Yeah. I'm pre-gaming, if you will. Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. let's get into the uh, Elisa Lamb case, which, of course, we're actually going to be focusing more on the Netflix special crime scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, where do we, and by the way, you guys should probably watch that, I guess, if you want to like play along and follow along with us here. But, you know, if you know the case, then you can probably listen to it and it would be fine. Right, Darren? I would imagine it's pretty much, there aren't spoilers and true crime if you think about it. No, and we're not going to be breaking it down part by part. We're going to be talking yeah. about the story as a whole. So we're talking about it as That's a, a four part series. You're definitely going to want to watch all four parts, but I don't think there's any extremely major spoiler alerts except for the fact that 
they potentially solve the case and we're going to get into it. So uh, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. So here's yes. the backstory. I'm just going to set up a couple little details here and then we're going to get into the big details from the show. The backstory, if you didn't know who Elisa Lam is, she was a college student from Vancouver, Canada. She traveled to Los Angeles kind of in an effort to see the world and kind of expand her horizons. Now, she kept a very... Um, What's the word? Like open, heartfelt kind of diary on Tumblr. Blog journal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I kind of forgot about Tumblr, but Me too. I mean, just watching <laughs> at least the series, like replay her posts. I mean, yeah. it was a really nice sort of, uh, and maybe it still is and forgive my age, I but it seemed like there. kind of a, ni- an, a nice way to put it your thoughts. And it seemed less mean than maybe other things would have been. <laughs> Well, especially on Tumblr. Tumblr could have been a toxic place um, back in the day. But anyway, so the backstory, you know, it's not it's not we don't want to get into the like specifics because we're about to do all the big details. But essentially, she went missing while she was in Los Angeles, staying at the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Darren, you've spent a lot of time in L.A. over the years have you ever like driven by the Cecil Hotel? Were you ever aware I of it? I may have. Yeah. I, 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 I became aware of it when we first covered this case on Elisa mm-hmm. Lamb, and we've been talking about it for a few years now. I know it's right by Skid Row. I know where Skid mm-hmm. Row is. I've driven through Skid Row. I guess maybe I've probably driven by the Cecil Hotel and didn't look up. The interesting thing right. is how much time I spend in LA and how many times, I mean, I read so many, I'm a voracious reader, and I had never even heard of the last bookstore either. We're going to get into uh. that for sure. Sure, but yeah, like yeah. all these points in LA, I guess I never really noticed. But you know, over the years, certainly since Elisa Lamb came out, and you know, we're talking about year 2013, so not too long right. ago. I mean, obviously, we had Tumblr, so, so, social media still existed, but um, I'd heard a bunch of weird just rumors about the Cecil Hotel kind of since finding out yeah. about Elisa Lamb. And so now I think, even though I don't think it's around anymore, they are they got rid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I definitely think that I would pay more attention to it now if I would buy it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, for those who don't know, Skid Row, if you didn't watch the, the special or you're not familiar with LA is sort of the homeless region of downtown LA in the sense that there is a very active, thriving homeless community that sets up tents yes. and lives basically outdoors. And it's somewhat infamous for... Um, the downtown area of of Los Angeles. And so the Cecil Hotel is basically adjacent to, or really it's kind of in the epicenter of it all, if you think about it. So the interesting thing here is that, you know, Elisa, from what we could tell, at least from the beginning of it, was kind of this, you know, not, I don't want to say like had a, a... strict childhood maybe but maybe grew up in a stricter household wanted her freedom wanted to go off do her own thing yeah you know we sort of learned that she has this this knack for being independent experiencing everything because she hadn't really experienced a lot you know we find out she has bipolar disorder mm-hmm. uh and 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 is is on medication so has these kind of highs and lows but that was sort of the original trip of the exactly. uh, of going to see this and and i believe she just researched probably a cheap place to stay and the Cecil hotel came up i'm yeah. sure Sure. Yeah, yeah. Someone recommended it to her. Yeah, and so, I think they even talk about that a little bit at the very beginning of the show, where it's like if you search yeah. on like, um, what's the Pedia Expedia dot com or whatever, you know, for like yeah. cheap hotel, you know, the Cecil Hotel shows up and it looks grandiose and beautiful, but if you're not familiar with you know the Los Angeles landscape and its sort of neighborhoods. 
um, you know, you're not going to know that when you sign up, there's going to, you're going to be a part of, and by the way, we're not talking necessarily about the homelessness being the dangerous part of it. It's just that the activity, uh, happening in that part of town, which in some cases is associated with the homelessness is a dangerous sort of area. There's sex, there's drugs, there's Totally. Um, and remember, yeah. she was from she was from Canada, so she might right, not she, know, yeah. you know, L.A. to her was, and to some extent, a to dream. a lot of Americans. It's kind of this foreign place, though, and you might not know everything to expect. And right. so basically the entire show highlights, highlights the investigation in the first 19 days, essentially from when she goes missing to them, quote unquote, solving the case. I'm using air quotes here because there could be discussion to be had at the end of this, and John mm-hmm. and I will get into it, but... You know, you sort of mentioned, John, that, that like, they, they didn't really immediately go to the video footage. I think everyone knows from Elisa Lamb the elevator video. Yeah. I don't think anyone knows anything except that as <laughs> yeah, a general right. masses rule. I mean, outside of crime, web sleuths and things like that. Yeah. Um, but the general population knows the video. Um, yeah. And they sort of had painted a different picture than seeing that. Like they, that, that was, like, almost burying the lead a little bit. It was so crazy to me. This is, like, from, you know, the first episode, the early investigation – I right. was so surprised that they didn't immediately get the video footage from inside of the hotel. And I will learn a little bit more about what exactly happened with the video later. We'll get into those details. But, you know, on day six, you know, the the Netflix show shows the press conference with the police and her family standing behind them who don't speak. But, you know, on day six, a reporter asked if there's any video footage um that from the hotel and the police official responds with quote, and I did quote this, we're in the process of investigating that and collecting anything we can in that angle, end quote. And not that it's necessarily, and I'm not trying to like, you know, go really into the microscopics of this, but it wasn't dismissive, but it was very much like, yeah, we got that under control. Thank you. But I'm like, if that, it, that's so often how it is, though, yeah. right? Of like, we're in the process of investigating that. And, you know, to some extent, maybe you don't want to give everything to the public, but like, this yeah. is a fucking hotel in 2013. How do you not have a camera everywhere? And how do you not have that access on day one or two, by the way? Right. I mean, I'm, right. No, I'm no expert. I'm no digital forensics expert. We need Billy Jensen to come on the show and have him talk about it. But totally, you know, to me, it was very suspicious that it took six days for them to even comment on it, let alone, you know, and they, they still didn't have it, by the way, on day six. I'm, I don't I don't know that I wrote down when exactly they got the the footage, but it was at least it sounds like a week or more later. And that's very I don't know. To me, it fell off at the very front. Yeah, it's a little suspicious. And, you know, they the police say and they and the, we're interviewing the police now, essentially the, the main investigators of the case in this mm-hmm. Netflix doc. And they they search. She goes missing. The police come. The hotel manager, Amy Price, calls the police or whatever, mm-hmm. reportedly missing. Uh, they come, they search the hotel, which is a pretty big hotel, but they search it. They even search the roof and they don't find anything. They don't, they, they, they don't find anything. So they kind of clear that hotel. And it's worth noting that with this police investigation, at least initially in her solo room, because as we sort of learned, she's in this room with other tenants, almost like a hostile situation a little bit where, you know, you can room with multiple people, but she's acting up as we learn because she's not really on her meds. So she's, Mm -hmm. you know, writing these random notes on her roommates. And so the hotel manager, Amy Price decides that probably the best thing was for, for her to go into a solo room. And she does room 506. And what they find in the room is kind of like this 
average, no forced entry, you know, an average sort of teenage, maybe late teen, young 20s kind of messy room. You know what I mean? Like you're out on your own the first time. So there doesn't seem to be any foul play involved, at least with the room that they're uh, searching. Yeah. And I think that is a great point to mention at the top, because obviously I think for you and I, you know, we're trying to figure out, is this a murder? Is this a suicide? Is this, what is this? And the fact that there was allegedly no forced entry, I think, tells a very big part of the story that, you know, her things were left untouched and just where they were whenever she left, you know? Now, before we get into the actual them finally showing the elevator footage, given the fact that we knew we've covered this case uh, sort of previously without this information and kind of what we've known in the public, what did you say was your best guess of what happened to Elisa Lam after you saw that elevator video? Like, what was your initial thought, maybe? Um, ooh, this is complicated because, listen, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to say I, that she was controlled by a demon, okay? I'm not trying to say that. Right. Um, right. But, but you're not not saying that. But I'm not not saying time. that. So <laughs> let's put that out there. I guess what I will say is, as someone who by the way, is a skeptic of all that type of stuff. I am, but I have also experienced so much of it that, you know, I was like, what is going on with her? Like there is something either mentally going on, like wrong here, or, you know, she's hallucinating or seeing something, whether it be paranormal or not, that is, um, overtaking her otherwise common sense and i let's 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 focus on the elevator footage because i have so many other thoughts about what happened when she walked away from the elevator but um got it but my thoughts are just that in the elevator part of this that she's clearly unwell i think that's like very clear yeah, no. Right. Okay. So something something definitely is going down here. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's get into the her, footage. It's... Like acting. It's not obviously her usual behavior. Something is very wrong. I think is the best way. To right. Put it. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So this is obviously the big thing that defines her case. The elevator footage. One of the things I didn't realize either before this uh, Netflix documentary is that some of the floors in the hotel did have cameras in the hallways. But surprise, her floor didn't. Okay, of course. that's unfortunate. Of course. Um, I just, right. again, I go back to what you were kind of saying at the top of the show, Darren. It's like, it's 2013. Cameras are everywhere. My God, what doesn't my, I feel like my lamp has a camera nowadays. Like, you know, well, everything. And, 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 and let me just say this, right? Because Amy Price keeps going back into this for me. And she's a hotel manager. Yeah. And she manages the hotel from 2007 to 2017. 10 years, right? So we're smack dab in the Elisa Lamb disappearance in 2013, right? Mm-hmm. She's been a hotel manager now for quite some time. She has experience with this. And at the end of this, she actually says that in those 10 years, she saw 80 deaths. Ugh, like 80. what? Like, isn't there i mean granted you can't put cameras in individual rooms totally understandable but outside of all this foul play what did you think in your 10-year tenure if you Mm. will that you would think after the first few to put cameras in the hallways put them everywhere yeah well right not in the rooms not in the rooms but everywhere privacy but like everywhere else like certainly staircases and hallways and elevators and rooftops like 
any public space. It just seems a little odd to me for the safety of your guests, but also the safety of your staff. Yeah, no, that is like a really good point, actually. Um, And I will be taking a drink with that. Do take a drink. Um, So... Okay, so the footage itself, I mean, we can break it all down. Darren, what was your initial thought when you saw it? Because I just kind of gave my something was obviously well, was, going wrong. It was, I remembered it always being a little bit blurry. Like, you can obviously see her, but the time coding is a little bit blurred. You know, to right. some extent, we see all these close-up pictures of her, but in the footage, it's kind of too blurred for me to be like, yes, that's definitely Elisa Lamb. Like, well, that's you probably could have yeah. told me it was some other woman too. But obviously, the belief... They've proven that this is her and also the red sweatshirt, which when Mm -hmm. she gets discovered, you know, that's in the water tower as well. So I knew that was going to be her. I actually thought, though, in rewatching it and then replaying it several times, uh, slowing it down, was she was probably on drugs. But I also think that. Obviously, this is just my opinion on her behavior, but I also think that the Netflix doc sort of led me there because previously Mm -hmm. to this, they had kind of set up Skid Row as being this like, you want to score crack, you want to score heroin, you want to score drugs, you're going to go here. Uh, Drug deals were kind of happening all the time. It was happening in the hotel. So I think I was also primed to just think that it's possible, you know, and considering the fact she was young and wanted to experiment, maybe she wanted to get cocaine and got heroin or, you know, because she didn't know the difference and she's from Canada. They're all very nice there, Uh, you know. So that was kind of what I was thinking. I think I was just primed to think drugs initially. No, it's such a great point because the Netflix documentary, and by the way, we should all look at documentaries this way. What are they presenting? What are they leading you to believe? What order? Yeah. What order are they presenting it in? Yeah, and I think one of the one of the sort of descriptions was, well, if Elisa were to walk out of the steps of the hotel, she would be immediately presented with all different kinds of narcotics or whatever. And it's like, right. or and that not. might be true, but yeah. like that might be true, but it's like maybe not either. Right. And maybe she wouldn't take them, and maybe that's not type of the experiment she wants. I mean, they do keep going back to that tumbler of her kind of saying, you know, yeah. she. She, she was accepting invitations from people, essentially, in, in this new experiment. Whether right. or not that's drug-related, I don't know. But that was kind of my, you know, people who have maybe a bad reaction to mm-hmm. uh, a hallucinogenic, for example, could easily have reacted in that elevator yeah. like she did. Yeah, totally. Okay, so yeah. then in the, uh, the, the, the weirdness of the video starts to come out in this part of the show. So we learn that the timestamp, as Darren just mentioned, was completely, like, redacted or edited. edited or whatever and yeah, sometime- i believe it was 53 seconds was taken out that's right yeah and so but in, in terms of the timestamp, sometimes apparently this is like from one of the lapd people who was on the show that sometimes you want to withhold details of like the exact time that she was in the elevator to the public and like okay sure but like why like i i'm trying to run through all these filters of like why releasing this video to the public, which the LAPD did on their own, why would they right. then redact the timing or, or or any of that information if it's helpful? Well, that's a good point because, like, if they're releasing the video for people, A, to maybe come forward with information and also identify that it is, in fact, Elisa Lam, yeah. uh, you'd think, especially in the age of cell phones, what if she had been texting her friend hey, just scored something on, you know, like blah, 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 taking it, and it matched up to a certain time period. You just made me think. 
I'm yeah, sorry to ahead. interrupt you. You just made me think, like, is there cell phone evidence? Like, that was not mentioned whatsoever in this documentary. No, there isn't. And, you know, it's funny because, like, I feel so old in such a weird way. And it's 2021. <laughs> and I'm like, 2013, did we even have cell Don't phones? Have I'm phones? like, no, we 100% did. We had Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> and we have a, these infinite amount of ways to almost document a person's yeah. every single second of a person's life. Uh, no, granted, she might not have had one. But I, I, I find it hard to believe that they never mentioned any cell phone usage there's no cell phone evidence there's no yeah at least not mentioned yeah exactly so there's nothing there um another weird thing about the video is that the footage was slowed down to uh uh, slowed down 30 to 33 percent um that was to identify or like to give people like recognizable features i guess you know yeah and that i can get get behind a little bit i'm like okay we're slowing it down. It's a little fast. Maybe the, you know, the video quality itself isn't great. Assuming right. that's the original quality, by the way, because if everything else can be doctored, so can that. But anyway, um, you know, so they slowed it down so you could see her face. Fine. Here's where we get really uh, uh, some very weird details, and which I didn't catch when I had like talked about this Me before. Neither. And, you know, there was a cut in the edit of the video where you can see the door... By the way, the door is not closing. We learn later that she may have uh, pressed the the door door open open button button that kept it open. Yeah, for like, I guess, two minutes. But when the door finally does close and she's not in it anymore, uh, you see a jump where it sort of, you know, begins to open. But then it's like maybe like 35 percent closed. So there sometime in between that. And by the way, that may not be the same time that that door is closing. Those could be two separate door closings. So, you know, just and this is, by the way, just my like digital producer, you know, like hat coming on because I've produced so many videos and like this kind of stuff is like very easy to sort of doctor in that way. Um, So but jumping ahead. Well, first, Aaron, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Yeah, I was I was going to say, I think for me when I saw and I didn't notice the elevator jump as quickly as it did. I think for me, I was like. Maybe someone at the hotel is involved because they would have right. had access to the footage to edit it. That was that was immediately what went through my mind. Yeah, and that goes that just takes me deeper. Like, okay, so the hotel owned the footage. They have it somewhere. They had to transfer a file to the LAPD. Where so uh, so now like the LAPD is at least admitting like they are seeing that it has been edited sometime between. When the LAPD assume, assumingly asked for the footage, and by the time they got it, there was an edit of this video. And that that cannot be taken lightly. No, what I should no. say is we jump to the end of the show, which, because it's so important, I think we should mention it right off the top, is one of the LAPD members who's in the episode says, quote, and I made sure I got this right because this is their stance on the, on the edit, quote, look... I can't give a concrete answer on if our media relations or if the independent media outlets actually edited it for one reason or another, but I do know that any changes to the video weren't made by anybody at the hotel. The evidence is going to speak for itself, and there was nothing suspicious about the actual original hard drive video, which we have in our custody. End quote. So they admitted to what? editing it? Like, they, they admitted to someone editing it. Because they're basically saying they have the original hard drive video, and it's cool, it's clean, but we're just going to release this footage edited, but we're not going to say who did it, and it was no one at the hotel. Darren, it's crazy. I'm like, 
are they, am I, am I, I literally watch it over and over again. And I'm like, am I not getting this? Like, this can't be this obvious. He says, look, I can't give a concrete answer on if our media relations actually edited it. What? And to some extent, (laughs) also through my mind, I was like, okay, if nothing happens and the footage that we get of Elisa Lam, let's say it's a three-minute video, and the first 45 seconds nothing is happening in the video, I get editing it down for the public for clarity. Right, like I understand that. This didn't seem like that, though. No, these were edited at like a weird point. Exactly. They were edited at least where the door is closing uh, at least once or twice. So what it all kind of points to, and which I think they sort of, you know, rightfully mention in this uh, documentary on Netflix is like, was she interacting with somebody? You know, what, you know, was there somebody that came into frame that uh, they did not want to show as part of the, of the information? Which is which made me think it was a hotel person who would yeah. also have had access to the footage. You know, and also I'm thinking because she's shifting her head kind of uh, both ways outside of the elevator, I'm thinking is someone holding the door open button out there? Well, that's a great segue because the next kind of big point from this footage was that, which I also didn't know when I had previously looked at this case, that there's potentially a foot in the very corner of the footage right outside of the elevator door. What are your thoughts? You know, I never noticed that. And I leave it to web sleuths to really like (laughs) figure this out to determine this. Um, I mean, what a good catch because I I sort of had to rewind myself to even be like, wait, is, could this even be a foot? Now, obviously the foot or I'm using foot in air quotes, even though you guys can't see because I'm still unsure whether or not that's actually the case is in an odd direction for it to be hers. Like she kind of steps out of frame too, but then the foot looks as almost like it's making a 180 turn. Like it's like facing behind her. Like it couldn't possibly have been her feet. Yes. And I'm not saying like couldn't possibly have been, but I will say it, it definitely seemed an odd angle, but in closer kind of review of it, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's not a foot. It could have been. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think it was part of, you know, the video itself was grainy. It could have captured kind of like a trail of her foot. We're not exactly confident what uh, yeah. direction it was going because it quickly comes out of frame. It could have yeah. been a heel of her foot. It could have been the so- Like, th- there's a number of things well, it could have been. What we do know for certain is that it is not clear if it is her or somebody else. So it leaves a door open, in my opinion, that Correct. it could have been somebody else holding the door with yes. by pressing the button outside. It also, I think, um, lends itself to this concept in my head that whoever, like, let's say that is a person. Let's say it's somebody who is trying to coax her out of the elevator because it does kind of look like, you know, at times she's kind of hiding in the elevator. Um, which right. we later learn is something that is part of her bipolar condition that she is like running from people. At least this is what they're telling us. But if it is a person trying to get her to come out of the elevator, to me, I'm thinking this person knows that there's a camera inside of this elevator, but not on this floor because they don't mind being outside of the elevator, but not on, um, not in, or I'm sorry, but but that there is a camera inside because they make a point not to come into frame at all. If this is a person potentially. 
So, right. I mean, and 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 sort of that, that and to that point, just adding on to that, yeah, that please. just made it seem a little bit more to me like she was potentially on drugs or seeing things, mm-hmm. hallucinations potentially, because it almost seemed too perfect. And, you know, obviously, like, we learn later that when she's hitting all the buttons and she hits the door open button, right, when she gets in the elevator, and they yeah. said... That when you hit the door open but- button, and that has to be some weird fucking elevator because they timed it, and they said that that door stays open for two minutes. That right. feels like a very long time. For to, any elevator for a, to stay. Yeah. For a button to say door open. I mean, you can barely get doors open in <laughs> elevators nowadays. And even when you right. hit the door close, it doesn't close automatically. It just feels like two minutes felt like a long time. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't think that as investigators, they probably could have reported that if it wasn't true. That seems like a blatant violation of... That's a good point, yeah. yeah. Again, this is all just conjecture from our standpoint, but right. I mean, listen, as soon as they said that, that the door open button was hit and then it took two minutes, I was like, <laughs> oh, well, that's why the elevator wasn't fucking closing. She just didn't hit another button to like... Yeah. She just didn't hit door close because she was not thinking that it would be open for fucking two minutes like I would have. Right, totally. And- And, you know, one last thing about there being a potential person outside is, like, you see her jump out of the elevator, kind of look down the hallway. She's maybe, like, crouched down a little bit. Looks both both ways. she does that weird box step, too. Yeah, she does does a weird little square step. Like, ditty. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, my thoughts, too, is, like, if there's a person standing there, why wouldn't she look up at the person that's at regular height. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you're jumping out, there's a person there that maybe you're communicating with. She's either looking straight past that person or completely ignoring them. You know what I mean? Or there's not somebody there, which is, I think. And we don't really see her mouth moving. And granted, it's hard to say, but we don't see her like screaming at anything. Or or, talking. There's no lips moving. Right. And the only time we ever kind of see her scared, the two moments that I could say, you know, this is sort of what bothered me. And everyone was like, you know, you watch this video and you clearly see like she's scared or running from something. To me, that wasn't overly obvious. The only two yeah. points that I would say that I clearly see her scared or when she's in the elevator and right where the buttons are, she hides on that yes. corner. Like that's a weird place to stand I by know. yourself in an elevator when the door is open. So that to me was like, oh, that's weird. And then when she kind of like, pops out to see if someone like she shifts her head left and right right that's um, what that I was the only about. time i ever sensed that she was kind of scared because if you're scared and you are conscious of being scared you'd probably know there were cameras you'd probably wave totally. your arms you'd yeah. probably do something to show a fight as opposed to kind of like walking out of the elevator and then running doing a square away. step yeah, yeah, right. doing doing a little ditty. <laughs> that seems kind of odd to me. Um, yeah, and you know, I don't know. Fil- oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were finished, but yes, no. when you filter it through this bipolar disorder that allegedly she has and wasn't revealed to the police in the beginning, like whatever. Okay, sure. It does seem like she's having some sort of episode, so to speak. Um, sure. And we'll get to more of that in a second, but I just think. None of it makes sense. You can try to make sense of it, but the reality is we just simply won't know. The last part that we'll talk about with the footage um, is that we later find out that she's actually on the 14th floor, and this is according to some of the web sleuths that are um, part of the show, 
that analyzed, went to the hotel, analyzed, you know, every part that they could and then applied it back to the footage that we've seen. And they noticed that when she goes and kind of goes down a straight line from 14th floor to whatever the many floors are underneath those buttons, the 14th floor button does not light up because that would indicate that she's on the 14th floor, which Which led to the roof, led to the roof. So my thought immediately goes to, so there's no other footage from the hallways in the 14th floor that leads to the roof of all of the floors to have potential cameras on. Wouldn't that be the one that you want from just a security measure? And let me just say again, Amy Price, it just feels weird. You're a manager for 10 years. You see 80 deaths. Like you're not skeptical of this. Like, you're not installing, uh, you know, weird things. The other thing that made yeah. me so weird about Amy that I don't know if he even picked up on this, <laughs> but when the maintenance guy finds Elisa Lamb in the water tower, you mm. know, and then Amy Price has to call the police, she calls her mom before calling the police. That stood out to me very much so, Darren. I want, I'm so glad you, you mentioned that because how many episodes, by the way, um, Amy Price has never been charged. She has no connection whatsoever. God no, to it. and I don't. I don't think she even. I don't think she did anything suspicious. No. I just think she, I'm like she keeps adding in these details where I'm like, I hmm. don't know. This is weird. This is an odd thing. I'm very curious what she had to say to her mom. You know, like what? Well, what's she even the conversation? said she was like, "Oh yeah, something, something big's gonna happen." But it's like, but why would you call your mom? Like if you if you don't know that that's gonna be the case yeah. like we find a dead girl and the immediate thing is calling your mom like i get call your mom later yeah. but before you even call that just seems weird and so very weird basically you know i just wanted to kind of give a, a, a weird background of the cecil hotel which i didn't realize now obviously we mentioned pretty big hotel 700 rooms there's 50 employees which Feels right for a 700-room hotel, maybe. Um, It's right by Skid Row, adjacent, if not in the epicenter of it. Right. Uh, I learned in the doc, which I had no idea about, that Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, actually stayed there. Okay. Uh, And I watched the Night Stalker. hotel to the ground. I know. My (laughs) God. If they did that Richard Ramirez, like, Hail Satan clip one more time, like, I I was like, I'm going to pee my pants. (laughs) How many times did they pee my fucking pants. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... And basically, Richard Ramirez, who's this notorious serial killer, you know, in California in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, I took a drink. It obviously is an exa- <laughs> a, a clear Perfect. example of the types of people that this hotel is attracting. And it basically yeah. says, you know, it attracts eclectic types. Certainly your average maybe tourist or nomad, but but more than that, you know, <laughs> it's a place where a lot of like weirdos and murderers like to hang out and feel comfortable essentially. Yeah. Like that is what they're saying. And so they even mention this guy Morbid. And uh, oh he is kind of this unknown victim of this entire <laughs> ordeal. Um, as much as we don't want to look at it like this, it actually, it's true. Now, Morbid is this like death metal artist. Black uh, metal, he specifically said. Black metal, that, that is. is right. Yeah. Black metal uh, essentially is, you know, thinks there's a lot of beauty and darkness and beauty and death. He's never killed anyone. For all we know, he's like the most gentle giant ever. This is just <laughs> what he's into. And yeah. it's just, it's the music that he does. And I believe he is Mexican. I believe yes. he says he's Mexican. Yes. And, you know, some web, web salutes kind of connect Warbit. He does this one video at the Cecil Hotel, um, you know, 
staying there. Then he comes up with a video a few days after Elisa Lamb's death, essentially with a similar plot line to how she died, woman in a red jacket and, and finding her in the in a water and drowning her and this and that. We learned we, we learn that Morbid was at the Cecil Hotel a year before Elisa Lamb even stepped yeah. foot into the Cecil Hotel. And the web sleuths and people on the internet, and probably this is because how he looked and because he was into black metal. And had pictures shame. of Ted Bundy on the wall behind him. No, And no the Black less. Dahlia. But again, he's into Dahlia. this stuff. You know, he, yeah. that doesn't mean he, you know, he killed anyone. And he gets bullied, essentially. Internet stalked, uh, saying all these hateful things that he killed Elisa Lamb. And yeah. I never heard about that at all. Me either. And I'm glad that they highlighted this because, well, for two reasons. Let me first say this. Morbid is a musical artist. It's very unsettling, his videos and his lyrics and whatever. That doesn't mean you're guilty of murder, number one. Um, But from a storytelling perspective in this documentary, I found it very interesting that the storytellers, whoever they may be that made the show for Netflix made a point to say, hey, look at these web sleuths. They found this guy, and essentially the storytellers are making an example that despite their best efforts, these web sleuths aren't onto something, and they got it all wrong, and look at the, the horrible life that they created for him. And just as a true crime podcaster, and Darren, I think you and I have done a great job at at weighing both sides of a story th- over the years. I just think it's a weird framing of a scenario to sort of say, hey, despite their best efforts, guys, you got it wrong. You know, like, to me, it was just like, what does this say about the Elisa Lamb story? Except, okay, yeah, everyone kind of thought it was weird that this guy stayed at this hotel and has pictures right. of Ted Bundy and all of his stories have to do with dying in water, whatever. It, to me, it just felt like a weird, like, like almost like whistle, like, Hey, look over here and not over there. Does that make sense? Well, I I do think, I mean, I think there's two parts to that because I think that that's kind of an untold story. And so it was kind of important for the doc to say like, Hey, like mm-hmm. when you accuse someone of this and you're so convinced based on kind of a conspiracy theory, and maybe we can yeah. all take a lesson from today's things, like <laughs> lives get lost. People get hurt when you bully, you know, and, yeah. and and you put online that this person killed someone for frankly, and I think I can probably say this with a reasonable sense of um, rationality here for how he looked and what he was into. And I don't think any one of us, <coughs> excuse me, would want to be discriminated based on that. And I think that he absolutely was and did. I think it was easy yeah. to think of him being the killer and therefore he was the killer without any real evidence. killer, yeah. And, you know, and the funny thing is, is these web sleuths who I think are around to cover and be the resources that maybe the police can't yeah. have, uh, sort of did the thing that they also blame the police for, which is taking evidence which isn't really based on well, anything real or and discrimination and solving the case with it. And, and I jump don't into see the web- conclusion, yeah. And jump into the conclusion because it was easy to solve the case. And I don't want to see police doing it. And that's certainly wrong because we have that, uh, you know, that's court of law. But I certainly yeah. don't want to see web sleuths doing it. And I see it today, even just politically. So many people, it's like mm-hmm. we discriminate everyone based on a label that they choose. And it's wrong. And I do kind of appreciate Netflix Netflix showing this guy yeah. who 
for all intents and purposes, looking at him, you wouldn't think deserves sympathy just because of his, you know, hardcore exterior. And his life was ruined for it. And I think that that was like, you know, an interesting message. But um, basically, back to what I was saying sort of about the Cecil Hotel, it attracts all these weird people. Uh, Weird, I think, in just terms of it not being the normal, you know, Ritz-Carlton type of hotel is what I'm trying to say. And basically, as part of this rebrand for the hotel, in order to attract more people get it safer. They decide to kind of split the hotel into two parts of this same building. There was the stay on main, which is a little bit more touristy, took up some floors. And then there was the Cecil hotel on the other side. So, uh, yeah. there was kind of like two different lives going on. There were tenants who had been there for decades. And then there were people who were kind of coming in and out. Um, now, did and, they do that before yeah. or after Aliso stayed there? I forget. Was she on the, in, was she in the stay on main side? can't remember if that was after. I don't remember because she moved floors and she moved to the fifth floor. I know what they were basically in the doc that they were saying that the higher levels was where like shit went down. Like you didn't (laughs) want to go above. Like that one guy was like, you don't go above the sixth floor. Like if you, if you don't want something weird to go down. And I think that was where the Cecil hotel was and where the tenants were. Got it. And so she was on the fifth floor, which makes me think that I'm not sure if they had done the construction, but it made me seem she was in the more of the hotel-ish yeah. part and, uh, you know, of the hotel. What they say in the doc is that despite their attempts to make two separate little like hotels in one, they all had to use the same elevator. Same elevator. Yeah. So right. Which was sort gonna, of the point of that. Exactly. So you're going to run into both all different types of people in the same elevator bank, essentially. Now, remind me, John, and I don't remember yeah. this now, and, and because it wasn't, wasn't overly clear to me, because basically, I said in the beginning that the initial search, the police searched the hotel, searched the roof, they didn't find anything. You know, and this is sort of to the chagrin of the police officer, because I think that if he had actually searched the water tower, he would have found her a lot earlier, and maybe the story would have been closed a little bit sooner. But mm-hmm. they say this early invasion that the lid was closed, that the lid was yes. closed, and we're made to believe the entire dock that the lid is closed. And so we're kind of thinking as you're as you're going along, trying to think, how did Elisa Lamb get into the water tower? Right. Even if she got, even if she fell in, she wanted to commit suicide, she, whatever, how could she have closed the fucking lid, which is made, I think made everyone to believe that it was murder. Right. But the maintenance guy, after some hotel Mr. guests. Lopez. Mr. Lopez complain of water discoloration and distaste and all this stuff and water Ugh. pressure. The main guys go up to check the water towers, which is how they discovered Elisa, and tells us that the lid was open. Right. So, so why here, so what's the confusion so the confusion and they yes it was somewhat unclear but they did this was another example where the i think it was the lapd people they were like oh this one's easy guys super simple um yeah we originally when we had our first press conference said that when they are when the police arrived the lid was closed our bad it was open guys definitely open. Right, which is like the main key like, or what? something it's like if it's open, then you could be like, okay, like Egg- that eliminates exactly. a lot of options for murder. I'm not saying it eliminates murder, but like that was almost my key point of why I thought she was murdered. And Darren, that exact train of thought is, is if there is a conspiracy happening with this particular point, that exact uh, frame of thought that you were just saying is why they may have wanted to clear that up. Because by eliminating right. the concept that... Uh, the lid was open or not, 
um, you know, eliminating that debate says one way or another what happened. And, right. you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Mr. Lopez doesn't seem like he has any stakes in the game here. So I I'm, I, I tend to believe him. But it's like, you know, it just there's too many things that are either unclear or couldn't be determined. And well, right. And I'm, I'm thinking if the police went up there and the lid was open, did you just not check? And you just wanted to cover up the fact that you didn't do a thorough check? Yes, exactly. Like, right. Yes. And I, I, mean, I, I guess. My thing, too, is like, how are you going to go up to the roof? Like, wouldn't you immediately think water tank might be a place a body could be let me check it out how did they check every single part of this hotel except the part where she was in to me it's just bizarre to me after our 700 per 700 room you know hotel hotel, and the interesting thing here is you know they often talk about that the access to the roof that the alarm never went off which means that she could go through the window which means she could have gone up the um ladder which when you're watching the video of this i'm thinking holy hell (laughs) no chance in hell would i have done that that scares the fuck out of me oh my god oh my god but as we learn if she is not on her medication which it seems like she definitely needed and she definitely needed a lot of due to her condition uh due to her illness so they it say, would have yeah. made so uh, so they say i'm not this is not a so they say i would think that is certainly you're going to have a psychotic break um and you know mental illness is a tough it's a tough subject because like it's not yeah. like she chooses to be bipolar. You know, no, this is not like not. she's acting crazy, like nothing like that. Like this is a clear, like she needs to be on medication and she isn't, mm-hmm. um, or at least what we could see through the thing, like how she even got up there so, on meds or not is impressive to me, I would say, because it would scare the fuck out of me. So that's the assumption, right? That she walked out of the, um, window of her room potentially even though she was last seen on the 14th floor which leads to the to the to the roof, the roof she right. must have gone somehow they don't have the footage of this back down to her fifth floor apartment i'm sorry uh room crawled out the window walked up the fire escape uh climbed up a very scary ladder darren you and i actually have some first-hand evidence first-hand experience rather about why I think that can't be true. And that is, I can tell you from experience, two of my apartment buildings, many, many apartment buildings in New York City have roof access. That warning label. That fucking warning label. Yes, now. that warning label. Oh, wait, which one are you talking What are you talking about? The one that it's like, if you go out here, Open the, the alarm will sound. Right, exactly. And, and so I lived in um, Harlem, a couple of different apartments in Harlem, which are pre-war buildings. They were bo- They were built uh, early 1900s. They're very old, very, very dusty. The first one I ever lived in before I had any money was very kind of dilapidated, okay? Every one of them has this exact type of scenario. It's like a it's like a stairwell or whatever. It goes up to a door with a similar looking press on this and the emergency alarm will go off. Don't do it. You don't want to do it. And I think it's really meant to deter people from, you know, going up there and hurting themselves, essentially. Two of my apartments both had these emergency like it looked identical. And it to never what we rang, saw. did it? Never, it never rang rang people were on the roof all the time up there well same so, with me i mean and that could just be new york in and of itself yeah, and like, sure, granted, yeah. i would i would maybe think that a hotel like 
sort of keep that up inspectors or have inspectors that would check it but you know i mean there was this downtown this i was this right and this i was left with a little bit of a an unclear thing because on the one hand it's like listen it's kind of a sketchy neighborhood. It's kind of a sketchy hotel. This woman, Amy Price, again, 10 years there. You'd think that you'd want alarms to go off with roof access, given the amount of deaths that you see, and let alone just owning a hotel. That's probably good safety measures. On one side, yes. On mm-hmm. the other side, you know, it was a terrifying roof. Maybe it's possible that something got turned off, uh, that maybe it was never connected. Totally. Um, it's an old building. You know, that that stuff happens. It's an old building. Like, to and me, you know, you're kind of left unclear because the maintenance guy's like, "No, it would have gone off." But then other people are kind of like, "No, that thing never went off." Like we tested right. it and it never because went off. So it's hard to say. In another scene, you know, I don't remember exactly this what what was happening in this particular scene, but they go back up to the roof to right. do whatever, maybe to collect. I think it was the the web sleuths. They went up to the roof. They they were let onto the roof. They mention there's pizza boxes and cigarette butts. So to me, that says, what? Are people crawling out of their windows at the Cecil Hotel and climbing up that impeccably disturbing ladder that if you slide even, you know, an inch off of, you're going to plummet to your death? That many people are going up there to party that way? To me, it was like, come on. Like, it's very clear that this emergency... alarm likely would isn't going off and unless it's the maintenance guys eating pizza up there but again why go up there to eat your fucking pizza like yeah but yeah right there's there's too many specifics that just don't add up in that way and not that it's an indication of anything but the way that amy price kind of defends like what what do you mean no of course the emergency alarm would have gone off what do you think i'm gonna sit here and listen to the alarm well I can tell you from personal experience, those rooftop alarms don't really seem to work, especially in older buildings like that. Uh, Yeah, that's been my experience, too. I mean, so basically the doc is kind of saying this now. It's like. I'm confused. I'm confused as to what I actually think happened to her. And you know I me, know. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go Occam's razor on this one, right? Like yeah. I don't personally think at this point, like she was possessed by the devil or anything <laughs> like that. Like, do I think that this Cecil hotel is absolutely creepy? 100,000%. Sure. And I probably wouldn't stay there. Would I say that like some dark force is current to do this? I probably wouldn't because that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me to, to prove right. that. But and here's where the conspiracy theories start to come in. And so I want you to kind of go through a, a, a few of these because you and yeah. I were kind of discussing this before. And, <laughs> you know, they definitely have you saying, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. holy shit. Okay, so the first one is the um, comparison of the events of Elisa Lamb's tragic death to the movie Dark Water, which is about a woman who... All the way down to the uh, red, red jacket right. Right. Uh, falls into a, uh, or I don't know if she falls or jumps in. I've never seen the movie, but goes into a um, water well, water tank. Water tank. Yeah. Right. She is found in the same way. I think even face up potentially was a description. Side note about Dark Water, which is just creepy and kind of freaked me out of for a bit, is that it was filmed on Roosevelt Island in New York City, where I lived, Darren, for many years. And oh, so, I remember. yeah, and so in this documentary, you see all these like 
uh, images of like inside this like hotel or whatever. And I'm like, that's an apartment building that was right next to my place. I'd been there a million times. So very weird connection to the case, but, but yeah, the dark water connections and Darren, I think you and I might even watch dark, dark water and like chat about it in a future episode. I think we're going to, I think we're going to cover it. Let us know if you guys, I feel like we want to just because you lived on Roosevelt Island. Like we have to. So there's that, right? Like, yeah, there's that. There's that movie plot. And then, dude, so there's a tuberculosis outbreak that happens in Skid Row. And basically, you know, giving you a picture, if you guys aren't from here from Skid Row, it's a lot of homeless people. You know, the health insurance isn't abound here. I don't think people are getting their, their stuff checked out. When there's an outbreak, it's very easy. People are living in close quarters. They're sharing things. Um, mm. So there was a tuberculosis outbreak during the time. Okay. And this fucking conspiracy theory is like... <laughs> it's uh, crazy. Like, it's beyond crazy that they think that she's sent to kind of that like some the American out. government yeah. is is sending Elisa uh, to wipe out the tuberculosis uh, in this homeless population because please tell everyone what the test <laughs> well to test for tuberculosis is even fucking called. So the test to find out if you have tuberculosis, which is documented in this uh, show, is the lamb. Dash Elisa test. Right. Like, guys, are you fucking the exact kidding same way. Me? Uh, it could, maybe it's ta- Lamb Eliza, but like that yeah, type Eliza of whatever. coincidence is just like, it blew my it's mind. Too much. You know what I remember? It's too much. And she came yeah. from a school with a tuberculosis yeah. department that was pretty good and was like studying it, I think. Yeah. It's like the, the documentary says it was one of the foremost known uh, studies on tuberculosis. So the concept is that, like, the conspiracy theory, I should say. Is that, yeah, Darren, you mentioned it, like, she was sent there with tuberculosis to, like, wipe out the homeless people, like, whatever. I mean, you could really get into the weeds with that. But, you know, to me, I thought, okay, the Lamb Elisa, I wanted to look into that immediately. It it made me wonder if Elisa Lamb, was that her birth name? Or was this her, like, name that she was going by? Because it had a connection to tuberculosis. I mean, I'm sure. I just yeah. think it's one of those weird coincidences. Like I think it's you're right. weird, but I, and it's very odd. But I also just think like sometimes yeah. things happen and they yeah. line up, and you know, it, it. I don't think this is for a larger purpose of anything other than no. what it is, kind of thing. You know, let's keep it going here too with some of these yeah. other random tidbits. So we talked. You talked a little bit at the top of the show about the last bookstore, which is the name of the bookstore. It's called the last bookstore. I was very curious what exactly were the books that she ordered. Remember, she was apparently right. too fragile, weak, worried about carrying them home for some reason. But she went to the last bookstore. She ordered books, had them delivered, which I, that, which is another weird thing. Like bookstores that deliver. Okay, fine. Just, but I I'm also thinking she's traveling. So what's she going to do with these fucking books after yeah. she buys them and leave them? Don't leave a book. Yeah, I'm so curious what the books are. I'm sure some web sleuths out there have probably figured that out. But the other kind of weird, crazy part about the last bookstore is if you go to the store's website and you see who it's registered to, the last bookstore is registered to somebody in Vancouver, British Columbia. And if you take the uh, postal code of the person who owns that domain, the la- whatever it is, lastbookstore.com, and plug it into Google Maps, it is pinpointed to her to the cemetery where Elisa Lamb is currently buried. So, right. again... Wild. 
It makes for a great in story. Canada. It makes it's for a in great in Canada. Canada. Yeah, that's right. In right. Canada. So it makes for a great story. It makes for like a Hollywood movie, dark water type stuff. Is it connected? Probably not, but it's hard to overlook these insane I think they call them on on the documentary synchronicities. Right. That right. especially as, you know, true crime podcasters, you can't overlook. Um I think it's impressive that these webtoons like found that out because even when you that, go on yeah. the when even you go on the last bookstore's website, yeah. it's like hard to search the domain for the registrar. Like that just oh really yeah there you go yeah so I, I you know and so basically like yeah those conspiracy theories abound. You know you're led with kind of like all right, but ultimately they rule on yeah. what happened. Yeah, right? they say that you know, and Darren, feel free to jump in here because I know you want to talk a little bit about this. But essentially, by the end of the documentary. You know, the LAPD, everyone that was an expert throughout the rest of the show, including the web sleuths and people who have podcasts and uh, YouTube channels, all come to agreement unanimously that looking back at some of those videos, man, I was so conspiracy minded. But the truth is, it was accidental drowning with bipolar disorder playing a part. That was the official right. synopsis. Um, you know... Darren, what else here? We may have had some thoughts well, that someone was chasing after her. She, you know, well, and maybe a water tower. Well, that's sort of what tower. they said. Yeah. Right. That's sort of what they said. And Dr. Judy Ho had kind of said, you know, this looks from what she could say. Now, this is a doctor speaking. She didn't talk to her. She didn't have Elisa right. as a patient. But what could she, she could say that she was probably having a psychotic episode, given the fact that we know that she had pretty, you know, bipolar, bipolar ordered, uh, bipolar one, uh, which is a pretty harsh mm-hmm. uh, uh, bipolar disorder. Diagnosis, and yeah. the diagnosis, and she wasn't taking her meds appropriately in the amount that she should have been. So, if she thought, if she was having this psychotic break and she thinks someone's coming after her, you know, and sort of having these haunting feelings and her friends at home said that she was kind of prone to this, then maybe she would think that the water tower, you know, would have been a good place to hide. And then to address sort of the, uh, they found her naked facing up, usually drowned victims are facing down and certainly drowned victims would have on their clothes, that it's possible that once she got into the water tower was a place to hide, again, having this psychotic break, that she was undressing in order to lighten the load for her to tread water and avoid some hypothermia. So to me, Mm. that does kind of add up to a fairly reasonable conclusion to what happened, considering they found... No foul play on her body. You know, there wasn't that strong was... alcohol in there. There really wasn't anything that was PCP related or anything hallucinogenic. Yeah. And, you know, the, what you just said is I want to really kind of focus on it for just a quick second. I know we're uh, wrapping up the show, but the fact that, you know, the coroner found no stab wounds, no bullet sh- holes, no anything like that, there was no foul play involved with her autopsy. You know, I think says that at the very least, it seems like she there was no foul play involved. And I think that's an important part of this case because it's so easy to add up, you know, the postal codes and everything else that we were sort of curious about the Lamalisa test. Like what? But at the end of the day, what is being reported as the official document by the coroner and the autopsy is that. You know, she there was no signs of foul play. She, it, for all intents and purposes, it looks like she willingly got into this water tank and just was unable to get herself out of it. 
Sadly. Yeah, and like, and you know, I mean, I definitely felt like there was some sort of cover up when you kind of find that there was an error, basically saying like the coroner said couldn't find cause of death, right. and then scratched out to say accident. But as you see with the notes, even though it looks like it's three days apart, it was just faint ink, and it's clearly ha- that happened on the same day. And listen, people make mistakes. You know, that doesn't that you yeah. could have clicked something, and, and you and you didn't, and it doesn't mean that that was any less accurate or that there was a cover up. There's no proof for that. So. Ultimately, I sort of ended the doc, and we're wrapping up here, but I ended the doc feeling okay with the result of what (laughs) they said happened. I sort of feel like the case is kind of solved, as shitty as it is, because we had built up, and I had been talking for years about how the case haunted me. Yeah. Knowing what I know now, uh, I do sort of feel like it's Mm. that was probably what happened. Do you get that sense at all? I will say they did a convincing job of convincing yes. me, for no lack of a better term, of of what happened with the details. You know, I think what I was just talking about with the the body marks, with no body marks, I think you really do have to sort of wonder, you know. The, I think Someone's the, the dis- dragging her up right, that, the description you know, there's going to be bruises. Exactly, and I do believe that, so... You know, but I just, uh, there was just something unsettling by the way everyone just kind of wrapped it up like nothing to see here and like kind of like, you yeah. know, wash their hands of it. And I think just it being a skeptic. It was so many years of, yeah, sorry to interrupt. There's just so many no, years of okay. mystery to, to wash her hands of it did feel right. a little, you know. In, a, yeah. in a, an essentially a two or three minute montage at the end of this of this show. So, you know, I, I'm still a little more on the fence, but I am a little more towards this was an accidental drowning. Um, but I don't know. I can't I can't definitively say that this case is closed, in my opinion. There's too many. There are way too many uh, details that I think are left sort of vague, in my opinion. Um, and and I yeah. will say the downside of maybe even walking away from it feeling like I how I felt, which was maybe mm-hmm. like, okay, this case is solved, is that people stop looking for the real answers. And so, you know, we might have yeah. to close the chapter on this because people aren't going to stop looking, but I encourage further cases going forward to like, yeah. unless there's definitive proof, which it's hard to say in this case because no camera access, doesn't look like there's foul play, but still to really know whether or not she was having a psychotic break will probably be impossible to know. And, um, oh, you sorry. Know, sorry, I'm just going to say like, you want to just, you want to keep looking for the right answer, you know? Absolutely. And to your point, it's like with so much worldwide attention on this case now, it's going to be harder to sort of pinpoint a lot of this information when there's right. the potential that people could influence other people and, you know, the the evidence could be tampered with if there is other evidence out there. So sure. it's a tough one. This is the, like the one downside about, you know, cases becoming big, huge multimedia sensations is you do run the risk of more people influencing it in the wrong way. You know, I was Absolutely. really surprised. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and then you sometimes you get things like morbid and you get people thinking that <laughs> right. they know the answer and then ruining a person's life over exactly. something that they really don't have any concrete evidence for. And I don't want to encourage that behavior, you know? And you know what? Shout out to everyone who did participate in the documentary, all the LAPD people, Amy Price, the manager. I think it's great to have those kind of first person sources so that you can get the, you know, the on the record information and use it to your advantage in solving and finding justice for Elisa Lamb. And, I, and hopefully that is what happened, you know, hopefully that is it is something simple like that. And it wasn't some kind of horrific tragedy. 
Um, you know, we were just writing at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that Ron Howard had produced it either Me until either. like I actually paid attention to the end credits, you know, because I was so freaked <laughs> out every episode. And then literally it just stopped and I go, Oh shit, Ron Howard produced yeah, this. Like I it brought me amazing. back to like, oh cool, that's awesome, you know? Yeah. And, and I and I love that little aspect of it. And by the way, the last little part here was really interesting. The hotel was actually sold in 2017 to a company in New York, and they want to turn the roof, okay, to of the Cecil Hotel into a rooftop bar with a waiting pool. I know, I saw that. Come on, guys. Like, Maybe yeah, not that. Yeah, I was that. just like, mm, that feels a little too on the nose. Like, it feels a little yeah. too... It's like, are you pouring drinks out of a water tank as well? Like, give me a break. I don't know. It just felt a little too much. And of course, before we get to our shout outs, you know, it's really important to say that like mental illness is an absolute real thing. Yeah. Uh, And and clearly, you know, Elisa was struggling from it. Uh, Whether or not that's the cause for her death, we can't really say. But if you are struggling with mental illness of any kind or know someone who is, please visit wantatalkaboutit.com for more information and crisis resources because it's really important to talk to people and to get help no matter what. And, yeah. uh, you know, we can't say whether or not Elisa, because it did seem like she could talk to people in, in, in some sort of way, at least on the internet. And so, you yeah. know, everyone kind of is here for you and we always want to hear what you guys have to say. So if you need anything, wantatalkaboutit.com. Yeah, and um, Netflix included that little line at the end of uh, the episode as well, which yeah. I thought was very important. Um, so that's our Lisa Lamb stuff. Darren, let's go right into our shout outs and let's wrap up this very long episode, but it's a good one. I really liked it. I'm taking these first two because these are both Patreon <laughs> shout outs. And the reason is because you posted your adorable <laughs> prom pick uh-huh. and uh, you are in a full white uh, tux there. And so um, <laughs> it was pretty great. And so Jessica Vandermate, which is a great last name, says, dang. And why isn't David Archuleta knocking on your door? Not many people can pull it off. But you did love it. Jessica, I agree. Not many people can pull off a white suit. And Johnny Boy did it. And then Jade Giesbrecht, I might be pronouncing that wrong, said, Oh, John, you're such a cutie, LOL. I love this (laughs) suit. Total Miami Vice look. This is so brilliant. Made my day for sure. And, John, it was a Miami Vice look, let me tell you. And Darren, I'll be sure to give you your $100 for um, pulling the best comments. I really appreciate that you would uh, support Thank you so me much. That way. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, thank you uh, so much. Thank you guys so much for the... I, You know what's so funny is when we brought it up in the Patreon bonus episode, I was like, oh my God, it was so horrible. You're going to laugh your ass off. But then everyone was like really kind to me about it. So thank you. Watch um, them be terrible when I post my prom <laughs> pictures. I'm like, ew. I get um, it. I don't think that would happen. But by the way, if any men out there think I look great in it, let me know. Hit me up on uh, my Instagram. Um, Let's go into our Facebook group where Megan McGuire reacted to the news of our new show, Darren, when we announced it and said, quote, you should have said it would be still be a podcast. You had me worried. I'm excited now. Because remember, we were teasing. We had a project coming, but we didn't say it was going to be a podcast. So Megan's very That's on us. That. But Megan, thank you for sticking with, with us long enough yes. to know that it was going to be a podcast. We definitely... <laughs> Uh, really appreciate it. Keep going, keep, uh, you know, respond to the Facebook group. You know, yeah. I think we should take a poll to see what kind of true crime doc you guys want us to cover next. Yeah, I've heard a bunch idea. of you say that you want us to cover the staircase. Uh, John and I have been talking about dark water, just given the fact that Elisa Lamb came. We want to kind of cover them maybe once a month. So definitely give us your weird, wild suggestions. We kind of want to cover the unpopular as well as the popular. So yeah, any definitely. weird, wild thing that we could get to pretty easily, we will definitely take. And for those of you not on our Patreon, 
What the fuck? No, please join uh, if you would like. We are an independent podcast. We could honestly use anything you got. You can sign yeah. up at patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. You know, hundreds of you have already signed up, which is absolutely fantastic. We really appreciate the love. Bonus episodes are coming your way, and we know a lot of you are asking about merch. We are yes. getting involved with it. We will let you guys know as soon as we have it. And we're going to, if you're signed up for one of our Patreon tiers, you'll get first access to purchase the merch. That's right. We will promise it'll be good. And uh, maybe it'll have John's prom photo on it. I don't know. It's <laughs> Can possible. you imagine? Can you imagine? I could, actually. I honestly could. I feel like that's something you would love to wear, knowing you. I'd wear it every night to bed. How about you wear the shirt with my prom pic? I'll wear the shirt with your prom pic. I feel like we're now we need to get that for each other. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that's going to happen. It's official. Ob- obviously, it's going to happen. Well, guys, that's it for Shaken and Disturbed this week. We will see you next week. And keep on the lookout for Patreon for our fun little posts and our Facebook group, of course. Yes. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.